you want to support us, go to buymeacoffee.com slash salt plus rock and buy us a coffee. Because we like coffee. We live in the Pac Northwest. Oh my gosh. All right, everybody, we're going to change pace a little bit today. Um, not only are we slowing down, but we also have a special guest with us today. In our first few research sessions, Britton and I both stumbled over a website that gleaned some really good information from. It's called godbuddies.com. It's a pretty it's, amazing resource. Yeah, we both really liked it. We found it independently, and we both kind of walked in. shared. <laughs> yeah, we walked in with printouts, and we were like, check this out, check this out. And so uh, we reached out, and we have Rich Gorecki here today, and he is behind GodBuddies.com. So welcome to the show, Rich. Hi, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate that you found me independently. It's uh, God working in that moment, I guess. Before we jump into Timothy today, let's see, where did God Buddies come from? How did this start for you? So it's interesting. I started the blog about... Uh, a little over two years ago, and it really evolved out of our own men's group at our small Presbyterian church in the Chicagoland area. I was a, uh, you know, workaholic at the time and uh, became a little bit overwhelmed and was having some problems sleeping. Um, my wife suggested that I get involved in our church's men's group. You know, it just kind of developed into this conversation about workaholism and, and all of that. And our pastor was great at the time in, in demonstrating vulnerability among the men. It took down a little bit of the, uh, you know, the wall that we tend to put up. And as we started to get to know each other, and I, you know, I said something, I think it was really the Holy Spirit, something to one of the guys there that just said, you know, guys just don't have friends as we get older to talk about these things. And, you know, as we're learning to be godly men, we need some people like God buddies in our lives that will hold us a higher standard and help us through some of these things. Some of the guys in the group just kept pressing on me. It's like, you know, you ought to write a book about this. And, <laughs> and uh, this why said, you know, what the heck, I'm going to do something with this. And I started writing about it. And over the last six, six months or so, I've been working on the manuscript for the book and uh, coincidentally just sent it to an editor this week and hope to have it in print later on this fall. Awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah. So here I do uh, a lot of group stuff and I I title it kind of like brotherhood, which I think is the exact same thing as what you've got as God buddies, because we're not, I don't want to be just hanging out with guys just to sit by a fire, drink a beer or something like that. Or I want true friendships, true brotherhood in my life. And so, so your, your website really just dumps right into my life. I I do think that men need other men to become better men. I mean, that's kind of the subtitle of it. You know, not that we have it all figured out, but I think when we (laughs) learn together, we will become better. In our group, we kind of talk about being just a bunch of knuckleheads trying to figure it out. You right. Know? So, right. What uh, better way than to learn with a bunch of other guys? I totally agree, exactly. man. My biggest <laughs> argument with being an adult having guy friends is that you run out of conversation after, did you watch the game? Uh, and I love sports. My wife loves sports. We yeah. will sit around on a Sunday afternoon if the kids go to sleep and watch the Seahawks game. That's that's not what my life revolves around. So surface level. I want so much more out of that. So yeah. you don't you don't know Blake and I very well, but I mean, our wives are like, okay, you guys are getting together again. I guess it's going to be a four-hour time period. she knows that he and he and i are gonna just have conversation we could just talk and we talk right (laughs) but how much better than getting together with some people that maybe your wives don't approve of their relationship or their you know immorality and whatever so i'm sure that there's a level of trust that they've developed in each of you that allow makes it a little them a little bit more comfortable with spending so much time together and that's you know that's that's a good thing yeah well and that those four hours are usually 
either camping or over fire. So they're usually with us, which helps a lot. Exactly. Too, they're there too. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure that they trust us alone, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's jump into Timothy and then we'll come back to, I'd like to talk a little bit more about your blog, um, as we wrap up. But the first thing I think we should do is probably just follow, follow the same timeline we did with Barnabas and Paul, um, right. start with Timothy's heritage. We'll go into his, the rest of his life from there, but Timothy has this really neat correlation with Paul because he's raised by two Jewish women. Um, his grandmother was Lois and his mother was Eunice. Then he has a Greek dad. So right. his, his dad's not Jewish, his mother is, and so he learns from a young age Jewish history. We saw that Paul was a Roman, Roman and a Jew, so he had Jew. that yeah. had that connection to uh, the Jewish faith, and then he has a connection to the Gentiles as well. So when we get to this situation where Paul meets Timothy and he sees how he's already started to become a leader, and he adopts him as, as an apprentice, really because I think Paul looks at him and says, I really could see you as my son. Like, we have this really neat parallel. Right, which I thought was pretty awesome. I mean, um, he refers to him as his son in Scripture, you know, I mean, a son in Christ. And I'm like, that is, that is amazing because this guy is a, taking him on and just building him, you know, right. like a father would. Because the Bible doesn't really go into it, but it doesn't sound like Timothy's dad was around. Right. So the time period came around with Paul. I think it was having a father figure in his life, you know, because they're 15 years apart. Paul later says that Lois and Eunice have a zeal and... They were known for their faith. I think they were strong Christian women, and I think that that's a testament to what strong Christian women can do in in young men. I have to say, Mom, shout out to you. Thankful that you had me in church my entire life. Right. So Once we know that, we see why Paul would have been drawn to Timothy. We know that Timothy heard of Paul because of the first missionary journey where he healed the lame man. Once we have this Barnabas-Paul split, Paul and Silas head off, they get to Tarsus, and in Lystra they they meet Timothy. Timothy knows who they are. Timothy's already started to show leadership skills, and, mm-hmm. and Paul says, hey, I've, I saw how well this worked with Barnabas and me, possibly even John Mark. He wants to do the same thing with Timothy and Silas, I think. And Rich, you touch on that yeah. on God Buddies, right? Yeah, I do. You know, this is a really interesting thing. We kind of went through it about the whole um, relationship of his mother and grandmother. And you layer that into the uh, the whole protege thing. I mean, there was there was mentoring and protege going on in his family within his mother and his grandmother. And then Paul is looking for that protege. And he's like, well, okay, this guy's already learned from somebody ahead of him, albeit his mother and his grandmother, that protege mentor, mentor mentee relationship begins to unfold throughout the rest of those, those missionary journeys. I, I found that part really fascinating. And what I write, wrote about in a blog at one time was every man needs three relationships in his life. A Paul in his life, that's kind of that mentor. Barnabas, who is a mentor, kind of side-by-side friend, you know, and, and then there's that younger guy, that person that they're pouring into. And Paul definitely identifies him early on and starts to pour into him. So it's a great three-level relationship that started in Timothy's family, presumably because his dad wasn't maybe either in the picture or maybe he was busy trying to provide for them and there just wasn't a lot written about him. Right. Yeah, there's not a lot of background on his dad. So yeah, I wish there was more because I'd like to, to to hear more about his dad to know if it's if it's something where he was you know you hear a lot of some things about absent fathers. I'd like to believe that that wasn't the case. It was just not as critical to the story, and maybe he was just busy. Exactly, and I feel but it like... is interesting the whole you know kind of you know one being Jewish, one being Greek. You know, he's a bit of a half breed. 
right? Timothy there, you know, that just makes it complex. I love the way you guys explained about how that Paul kind of identified with that. I think he definitely, like when he was seeing who Timothy was and his two different ethnicities and then introspect to himself saying, yeah, this guy is kind of like me. Yeah. And we see Mm -hmm. through the Bible that a lot of stories parallel one another. We talked a little bit about how the end of Paul's life paralleled the end of Jesus's life. And I think if you look at the beginning of Timothy's life, you can see how it parallels Paul's. I think the big difference is, is that Timothy has two godly women to teach him about, about Christ once they hear of Paul on the first missionary journey, which is a little uh, less theatrical than getting smacked off his donkey. The other thing I think he, that maybe Paul identifies with, you know, he wasn't that confident after his conversion, right? And he needed Barnabas to come alongside him and convince everybody that he was worthy. Timothy was not a very confident young man. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul tells the church in Corinth that when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you and that he's doing the work of the Lord. He was a little bit timid in his youthfulness, and I think that uh, lack of confidence is also another thing that Paul identified with. Timidness, I think, is a part of Timothy's story his entire life. You see in Second Timothy, once he's established in Ephesus, which we'll talk about later, Paul writes to him and says, you know, fan the flame of the, the calling that God's put on your life. Don't be fearful and timid. There's other texts that aren't biblical that says that Paul told him to have a little wine for your stomach and your other ailments. So I think that's kind of, hey, calm your nerves a little bit. You're timid. You're a little fearful. You can have a glass of wine with dinner. Ease the stress level a little. Definitely something that he carries throughout his entire life. He's got that uneasiness about him. And some of it may be because he's young. Um, First Timothy 4, Paul writes to him and says, don't be intimidated because of your age. So there's some fearfulness that could go back to the fact that his dad wasn't a Jew. Yeah. A lot of times we carry those things that growing up, if our dad doesn't support us in something, that's something that we right. deal with our entire it life until, our we, story. until we actually deal with until it. Until you deal with that story portion. Yeah. I mean, that's just sitting in the back yeah. of your brain going, I need to be dealt with. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. That's that's all, yeah. all Holy Spirit right there. One of the things that I was an assistant scoutmaster when my boys were in scouts, and I saw boys at that age, you know, which are generally 14 to 19 or so, start looking to other parents, triangulating against their own parents. Definitely. Well, right. I think in this case, you know, it's one of those where, okay, well, I'm glad Johnny's dad isn't like, you know, my dad isn't like Johnny's dad, or wow, I wish mine was more like Tommy's dad. Timothy might have been looking to Paul and said, wow, I wish my dad was a little bit more like Paul. You know, and we don't know that, the Bible doesn't say, but I think at that age, you know, he might be looking to other men to yeah. kind of triangulate against what he wanted to be as he was becoming a young man. Yeah, you mentioned Barnabas, and I, I think back to, you know, Paul, Barnabas, and there was Mark along with them. You know, there was a trio, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I think Paul was then, when Barnabas and Mark went the opposite direction, he was looking for somebody else. So he's got Paul and Silas, and then you had the trio of Timothy into it. I mean, it's a good trio to go out and preach the word with. As soon as they take off, as soon as he invites Timothy to join in ministering with him, he takes him through circumcision. And we talked about why last week that it would just it would make it easier for the Jewish people to say, okay, well, you've been circumcised. Later, if you look, he had Titus with him, right? And he didn't circumcise he Titus. Did not. So I dug into that, and I'm like, surely it's not just because he was upset about the whole Jew thing and them not listening to him. Traditionally, what you would do is you would adopt the religion of your mother. Paul does that to ease any questions in that. But then with Titus, his mother wasn't Jewish. 
she was of a different nationality. So Titus didn't need to be circumcised because there was no question in there. He was Gentile through yeah. and through. So that makes a big thing because Paul's got these different people and he connects with Timothy and I feel like he really grooms Timothy as his protege because he has that correlation and all of these things line up that say, okay, this is the guy that I, I can groom. Whereas he's got Titus and uh, later Philemon, Silas that were really integral in his journeys and his training, but it's just not one of those things that he can protege, he can groom to kind of carry his cape. After he's circumcised, we have Timothy going with Paul through second missionary journey, which we talked about last week. Throughout Paul's ministry and Timothy's ministry, we see Timothy help author Second Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, Philemon. Right in the um, thick of it. Right, right in the heart of it. He's he's helping Paul write to all of these churches that have been set up right. throughout this missionary area. Beyond that, he's also Timothy's also the influence for the two books or the two letters written to him. So first and second Timothy. Exactly. In the third missionary journey, sometimes they're together, sometimes they're not. It's, the Bible's not super clear on where they are together and where they're not together. Um, they're in Ephesus for a little bit together, and then they Timothy goes ahead to Corinth and kind of paves the way for Paul to come back. Back in there, they're both in jail at different times, and yep. so there's a there's a lot of blurring stuff that we all know that happened, and we're not exactly sure how it happened. We see Paul plant Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus in the second missionary journey. Sometime after the third, Priscilla and Aquila have been allowed to come back into Rome, back into their homeland. Mm-hmm. We put Timothy in at Ephesus. We talk about the Book of Ephesians a lot, but we, do. we don't really talk about Ephesus itself. It was one of the major port cities. In Greece at the time, you have a lot of trade coming through. You have a lot of a lot of different religions. You have the Greeks who are philosophers. You have the Hellenistic pagans. You have the Jews. So you have this whole giant melting pot of people. That because of that, I think it really gives some of the um, some of the things that the church struggles with becoming gossiping. In First Timothy six. Paul writes to Timothy and says, Turn them away from godless chatter. Rich as someone from the Midwest, you might be a little bit further north. Britain's from originally from Mississippi. I'm from southern Illinois. So southern Illinois and in the south, you get a bunch of old church ladies sitting oh, around yeah. drinking tea. Uh, yeah, Mississippi <laughs> loves it. Sweet tea. Yeah. Some nah, good old sweet, sweet tea. Down tea. South, yeah. yeah. We so, drink hot tea up in the north. Right. So you... <laughs> You learn that bless you doesn't doesn't mean what you think it means. Oh, up bless here. you! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bless, yeah. bless your heart. Oh, bless, bless your, your heart. heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, I feel like that's what's going on in Ephesus right now. They're sitting around drinking some poor quality water, maybe a little wine for their stomach. Some gossip gets going on. So Paul says, "Hey, take care of this." After this journey, you have pretty big gap. We talked about Paul, the end of Paul's um, last week, but we don't really see any, a lot of descriptive things that happens with Timothy. Did you pick up anything that we missed? You know, as, as you start talking about Paul's instructions to Timothy, you know, he's trying to give him advice about leading the church. You know, he says, don't let anybody look down on you because of your youth, but set an example for them. So he's, he's challenging him to conduct himself above reproach. First Timothy 4, 12. Yeah. He says to set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. You know, he's, he's challenging him to live to those higher standards that I think are part of living like a God buddy. He's acting as a God buddy to Timothy here, challenging him to live to those standards. Right. He's also trying to give him instructions to teach against some of the false teaching that's going on there. You know, as you, the church there is waffling back and forth a little bit. And, and I think he's saying, stand firm. 
you know, stand strong in your faith. You know what I've taught you. Continue to teach it, but stand firm. Don't let people dispute you. So we see Timothy leading the church in Ephesus, and, and that's kind of what takes all of his attention. He's probably got five years where he's he's leading that church, and I would say that that's probably some of the hardest leadership in that church. Right. Um, trying to right the ship. I mean, not that church leadership's ever easy. No. But we've got some clear issues that, that he's working with that Paul's guiding him through. When we get to the point that Paul's in Rome, Second Timothy 4, verse 13, well, I think it's 4, 9 through 22, he says, come see me before the winter. And then in verse 13, it says, and bring the cloak that I left in Troas. Yeah, it's interesting that he calls that out, bring the cloak. Right. <laughs> you know, so I mean, this is something I really want right now. Right. I think that not only does he he bring him in to say goodbye to his spiritual son, his protege, he wants to pass the torch, pass his mantle literally and figuratively right. to Timothy here. I think this particular cloak is significant to Paul. I don't know what the significance right. is. That's kind of what I was leading to. But we talked in Acts about people being healed from handkerchiefs and aprons that Paul had, had touched while right. preaching, and that anointing is carried over into a, a different object. And I think that's what's happening here. Yeah. He says, I, I want I this coat. So. I'm going to give this coat to you with my anointing. I want you to carry on. I want you to be the legacy. Yeah. He also tells him to bring his scrolls, especially his parchments and all that. So it might right. be like, I'm gathering everything together to hand off to you when you do come here. And I'm going to give you this whole uh, rite of passage by passing this stuff on to you. Yeah. Um, let's also not forget that he tells him to bring John Mark. Yeah, here, here's the same guy that him and Barnabas got into a fight over. Told <laughs> right. him he he didn't want him to go along with him because John Mark had, had abandoned him earlier right, when they were on mm-hmm. one of their earlier trips. And now he's become um, valuable to him. And he says, bring him along too. And I, you know, I feel like he's got two well-studied, you know, well-mentored guys that can help carry on. Right. Definitely. He's just getting set up for the end of his life to make sure that the things that he's done and the people that he's touched their lives in, is he's going to send them back out again. Right, you right. Know? You see this arc through his whole life that you've got Timothy going out and you've got Silas going out, Philemon going out. been Paul's thing is that right. he equips and he sends and equips and he sends. Now that he's got a few people left, he's bringing the closest circle back to him right. to equip and to pass on that, that cloak pass the gauntlet, let them go out. And then he gives them a warning. He talks to, about Alexander the coppersmith, tells Timothy that he's heard him a great deal, mm-hmm. that his faith's, Be careful. Been, his faith's been shipwrecked. Yeah, Rich, what do you think about that? I think he's probably one of the guys that were part of the team who's starting to bail on Paul a little bit. You know, gotcha. he's seeing he's in prison. Like, this is getting to be way too hard. I don't want to be thrown into prison and live in, in shackles and chains like you are. You know, they mentioned uh, somebody named Demas there, and he pretty much says, because he loved the world, he deserted me and gone back to Thessalonica. Well, you know, that I think that shows that he's starting to lose part of his team. So he's like, okay, I'm going to bring my part of my inner circle back close to me to give them the final blessing and hand over, maybe hand over this cloak and the scrolls and parchments and say, okay, I'm passing on my legacy to you. So after Paul brings him back in, we don't really hear much from Timothy from there. We know that he served out the rest of his life as in Ephesus, as the bishop, bishop of Ephesus. Right. Timothy lives to a ripe old age of eighty-ish. Yep. He was trying to halt a procession in honor of, of a goddess by preaching the gospel to the people, and the angry pagans around beat him and dragged him through the streets and then stoned him to death. Right. I, I commend him. I mean, forty-seven years from the time period that 
that Paul came and got him. I mean, he was preaching and serving before Paul. I mean, forty-seven years of living that life of preaching, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at the look at the model he was following. I mean, Paul, exactly. Paul went through a lot. Yeah. He's like, well, Paul was going to do it. I guess I'm going to continue on, and you know, he ended up persevering through a lot himself. Right. And that's one of the things we talked about at the end of last episode was it would have been really easy for Paul, especially once he got back to Jerusalem and and the Jews had turned against him and Ananias was coming at him and, you know, trying to get him killed and saved only by his Roman citizenship. One of the things that we said was he had a lot easier when he was killing Jews. Life was good. Life was easy. And that's probably where Demas and Alexander were at, you know. Yeah. Just remember that regardless of where you're at and how low you feel like you are, you've always got God there. And hopefully your God buddies or your allies will will be there in short time. To quote from Rich's website, so a lesson in principles for being a good God buddy is that the mentor and mentee need to establish trust and invest time together. Yeah, I mean, that that is one of the epitomes of being a God buddy. It, It does take time to establish trust between you and certainly Timothy established some trust um, from Paul. And then they certainly invested a lot of time together. You, know, they, you mentioned earlier about all of the letters that were written, you know, quite often in there, Paul is saying, uh, it's me, Paul and Timothy, mm-hmm, you know, so he's right. saying he's here alongside me. And that's, I think one of the, the key points of, of being a mentor mentee relationship is you're doing life alongside each other. And that's, I think what God buddies do is they do life together and they learn from each other and sharpen each other as you know, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen would say. As as we talk, I, I hear you talk about God buddies and we talk a lot about allies and mm-hmm. I think we could use the term synonymously. Definitely. We talk about yep. living life together and, and having somebody that you know you can trust in, you can lean on and you get closer with every time you spend time with and that's a God buddy to you and an ally to us. So right. glad that we're speaking the same language in a different language. Midwest yeah, and Pacific you. Coast. <laughs> so while we got you on the line here, if you could go back through your entire blog, everything that you've done, what would be the most important God buddy principle that you've that you've noticed? Could be in your wow. life or if you, if it's just something that you, you think is pressing right now or if it's something that's made a big impact because you've seen it affect someone else. Maybe one of the most important things came about during COVID time this past year were friends of mine who were struggling through, you know, the isolation, not getting to work and stuff like that. One in particular was really struggled to the point of where he was battling anxiety and struggling with some suicidal thoughts. And I remember him calling me and it wasn't like a 911 call, but, you know, he started talking about the importance of having other people around them. I think that when we're in difficult times is the time when you need somebody that you can reach out to. I forget who it was that, that called it. You need that 2 a.m. buddy, right. you know, that person you can call at 2 o'clock in the morning right. when you're really having a hard time with something. Those are not your casual friends on your softball team or your no, fishing not, buddies, right. your <laughs> buddies. You know, those, those are the ones that you've developed a level of trust with. Those are the ones that will be there when you're really struggling, and they're the ones that encourage you and are there as, as kind of mentors for those big decisions that, that we have in life, whether it's job changes or difficulties with our raising our children. Consider it your personal board of directors, you know, by having, you know, a Timothy, a Parnabas, and a Paul. I like that. Um, as, as in your circle of friends. Board you know, you had three. Yeah, he had his own little personal board of directors. I like that. You know, his inner circle. <laughs> so when was your book coming out again? Well, um, I hope that it will be in hard copy print in September. Hopefully things go according to schedule and it's out and in hard copy by the end of the, by the, end of the uh, summer. 
Well, Rich, thanks for being on. Um, we will definitely try to work around getting you in when your book's out here so we can talk exclusively about your book. Most um, definitely. Hopefully we can get it and read it so that we can have a have a good conversation. It's been fun having you. It is. Um, thanks for the insight. It's been an honor to be, be part of your podcast, be the first official three-way uh, conversation. Thank so you. I'm honored to be part of that and hope I added some value to everybody and you guys. Well, you did to me. So, oh, yeah. Um, hope, right. I'm sure the listeners out there will get something too. So once again, I appreciate you jumping on with us and thanks for the conversation and definitely keep up the good work. If you guys want to check out what, what we've seen that Rich has done before the book comes out, it is god-buddies.com Rich Gorecki everybody thanks for joining us today on Salt and Rock if you liked what you heard feel free to reach out to us at saltplusrock at gmail.com that's all letters S-A-L-T P-L-U-S R-O-C-K at gmail.com if you'd like to become a contributor to Salt Plus Rock you can find us on buymeacoffee.com slash saltplusrock Once again, all letters, S-A-L-T-P-L-U-S-R-O-C-K, where you can give a contribution as small as $5. Hey, every little bit helps. 